Hey, well, welcome to LifePoint Church. My name is Mike Burnett. I get to serve along with my wife as pastors of this church, and we're so honored to be a part of your life, and thank you for this new season that we're doing, this Fresh Start series. It's so good to have you all here with us today. Uh, if this is your first time in the room or online or joining us at one of our video locations, we want to say a big welcome to you, and thank you for joining us today. We believe you're here on purpose because God has a reason for you to be here. Can I hear an amen, everybody? We're back at our Austin P State University campus today. They are launching their service today and very excited to be there as well. <clears throat> so we are in day nine of our 21 days of fasting and prayer. And I want to encourage everybody to join us in some way during this fast, in some way for these three weeks. It's a great way to restart your year get your physical body under control. I've always said, if you can say no to food, foods that you like, I'm not talking about fasting zucchini. Come on, that ain't hard, nobody. You know what I'm saying? I'm talking fasting foods you like, meals you enjoy, coffee, drinks, whatever. If you can say no to that for a three-week stretch, you can actually discipline your body in so many ways and get your body under control. But the point of fasting is not just losing weight or starving yourself. The point of fasting is to come away and devote yourself to prayer. If you're fasting without prayer, you're simply going hungry. And so I wanna encourage you, this is one of our spiritual practices or habits, we're gonna talk about that today, that helps us focus on the Lord. Every time you feel a hunger or pain or a moment of like, I wanna run to my pantry and grab something, it's a reminder to no, 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 I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull away and pray. I'm gonna spend some time with God. I'm gonna thank God for this time of fasting. Yesterday I got my hair cut and I brought my younger two daughters and they have a, a bowl of dum-dum suckers at the barbershop, which is godly. And so uh, my... My whole family, we're participating in the fast. I'm doing a total food fast. So we're on day eight of that, which is going great, day nine. Uh, but my girls are fasting sugar. And so all the candy and the fudge and all the stuff that they got at Christmas is in a bag in the pantry and they can't touch it. So my youngest daughter, we're leaving the barbershop and she's just holding the bucket like this going, Dad. And I said, well, I thought you were fasting sugar. I mean, I ain't here to judge you, but I mean, I'm judging you. You know what I'm saying? So anyway, she goes, Dad, please, can I just have one? I was like, I'm not judging your fast. That's on you and the Lord. You know, and I'm like, I don't even, I have no sympathy for that. You know what I'm saying? I haven't eaten in nine days. Don't even try me. And so she walks out of the, out of the barbershop. She's like, I'm so mad. I just want to suck her dad. And I go, okay, now when you feel that, I'm trying to teach, you know, pastor dad. I'm like, this is when you pray. She's like, I don't want to pray. I just want to suck her dad. <laughs> so anyway, none of that was about my daughter. It was actually about me. So... Um, <clears throat> The point of fasting is when you're reminded of the things you're giving up, you pray, you spend time with God and you thank him for this time of consecration. And in Joshua, uh, we see when they're going into the promised land, right before they go into the promised land, the nation of Israel, God says, consecrate yourselves because tomorrow I wanna do something in your life. And the reason I like fasting at the beginning of the year is it sets us apart and it's an extreme way to do it. Like fasting, not eating for all meals, for all, however you're gonna do it. But it's saying, I'm setting myself apart because I want to be prepared to hear from God and to engage with the Lord this year in a unique way. As we have, we're, we're participating, we're partnered with Convoy of Hope for the 21 Days Fast. Uh, we call it our 21 Days of Fasting for Hope. And this Clean Drinking Water Initiative has taken off. In fact, we started it years ago, five years ago or so here at the church. And now about 20 churches are partnering with us this year in their 21 days of fasting to provide clean drinking water. Historically, we've bought filters. So the, the, the deal is this, whatever you give up in fasting, save that money that you would have spent on that, whether it's coffee or meals or drinks or whatever that you would have spent on that. So I'm not asking you to give out of any other pockets than what you were fasting. And then by the end of the month, we're gonna have a focused offering time where we give that money that we saved by fasting and we're gonna give it to clean drinking water. So historically, these filters, they're 25 bucks. This will provide clean water for a family for years. We have one set up in our lobbies at all of our locations. And, uh, and this is a drip filter. We also have the water bottles, which you saw in the video, which by the way, YAPAC Outreach is just doing amazing work. We're so thankful for them. Here's the deal. As soon as we send the money to these filters, they leave the shelves too. They're not sitting in a warehouse somewhere. So Sherry got those filters like immediately once you gave a couple years ago or last year, and they immediately went on the streets of Clarksville and Montgomery County to provide clean drinking water for every homeless person that we encounter. And so it's the, through those, we're also digging wells in unreached uh, parts of the world or underserved parts of the world. And with the well digging now, this, ex this whole initiative has expanded so much. I love it. I could talk about it for hours, but I won't. With the well digging, we're also gonna be planting churches and Christian schools and feeding programs and irrigation systems there. So it's all connected to water. It's one of the greatest needs in our world. And here's the thing, you can be a part of that as you fast, 
Save the money you would have spent on whatever you're fasting and give. And man, I would love to see us give uh, $250,000 to $300,000 at the end of this month through fasting. If everybody did something, we can make a huge difference. Can I hear an amen, everybody? Thank you for your tithing. Thank you for your giving and generosity. In addition to regular tithing, we give in moments like this. Twice a year, we have these big offerings. Well, actually, I also want to thank you. Uh, in December, we had these massive tornadic storms. Tornadoes come through Middle Tennessee, Middle Kentucky. And uh, many, many, many families were devastated. Well, when they hit, we said, we're going to engage. We're going to get involved through all of our partners, our outreach program, our missions teams. And you've sent, we've sent a lot of teams to go help with disaster relief and clean up. And, and we were helping all along the way. And we're still engaged. We're not done yet. And so if you'd like to serve in Kentucky, we will find a place for you to do that. But uh, about two weeks ago, I was reaching out to one of our partners in Paducah. And I just want to tell you uh, what your giving has done this week. Uh, you remember when the tornadoes hit, we said we're going to give our whole week's offering to disaster relief. You guys remember that? We gave all tithes and offerings. And you guys gave almost $500,000 that week. I just want to say thank you for that. But that money, yeah, it's amazing. Here's the thing. That money needs to do something, right? It's not sitting in a bank account. We got to use it. And so every time there's been a need, we've been able to write a check or spend the money. We bought everybody that needed a generator, a generator in Mayfield, Kentucky. We've paid for everything from a simple tarp or a pack of tarps to food and meals and hotel stays and whatever we can. We are engaged. Well, about a week ago, I got a call from a pastor up there who said, we've got five single moms or grandmas, single grandmothers who lost everything and they lost their vehicles. And their insurance hasn't come through. They didn't have insurance on the vehicles or whatever. So can we help? And I was like, heck yeah, I got to spend this money. So <laughs> LifePoint, you're giving help by this fleet of cars that we're giving away free and clear this week to give away to single moms and single grandmas. And your giving made that happen. So I called my friend. I called our friends at, at Tommy's Used Cars up in Guthrie and, and his son's a part of our church here. And so I said, hey, help me put a list together. You know cars. I don't. I know money and I'm going to give it. And so, um, and then the owner of the car lot was so inspired and moved. He said, you know what? I'm going to buy a car too and give it. So the car lot donated a sixth car. So we're giving six cars away and we're thankful for what God is doing. Come on. Can we celebrate that a little louder? I just love that. I love it. Praise the Lord. Man, I don't know about you, but it's just, it's just fun to be generous. Can I hear an amen? amen? And there's gonna be six families that have been stranded since that tornado that this week are gonna get a car. And look, we're also gonna give them a little coin to pay the tax, title, and licensing part because how I many you know a car without the taxes paid ain't nothing but an ornament in a yard or a ticket waiting to happen, you know what I'm saying? So we're gonna pay it and we're gonna bless them and you gave to make that happen. So thank you for trusting your church. Praise the Lord. Now let's do some water. Y'all heard what I'm saying. Let's buy some water filters. Here we go. All right, turn, uh, turn to your neighbor and say, hey, we're going to turn it up a notch. Now look at your second neighbor who was your last choice and say, you, you should turn it up too. So we're in week two of our Fresh Start series. And uh, I asked you the question last week, how many of you like a do-over with the Lord? I feel like after the last two years that we've lived through, we just need to start again with the Lord. I feel like if Jesus could just give us a blank slate. I feel like that's what this series is really designed to do is help give us a blank slate with the Lord. And uh, honestly, over the last couple of years, we've, we've just lived through so much. Global pandemic, social and racial unrest, crisis at our southern border, southern withdrawal of U.S. troops from Afghanistan, which was sudden, inflation like crazy, a toxic political climate, the increase of anxiety, depression, and suicide. In fact, I, I read an article yesterday that um, the suicide rate in the military is so high right now, it's crisis level. And I just, here's where they compared it. Like of all the deaths of COVID through this whole pandemic in the military is half of the suicide deaths for one quarter of last year alone. So July, August, September saw more suicide deaths in the military alone than twice as many suicide deaths than all the COVID deaths in the entire military since the pandemic started. I just wanna tell you, if you're ever in consideration of that, military, military spouse, we want to help you. We want to beg God for your total deliverance and we want to see you healed. That is not the right answer, but we see it on the rise like crazy in our culture. We've seen a really strong push against family values, biblical sexual morality and toxic, oh man, confusing language about gender. I mean, anybody watch the world we're living in going, what planet are we living in? And now if you say anything like what I just said, there's a fear of being canceled. So that's a new label, cancel culture. Cancel me, I don't care. I don't work for y'all anyway, I work for Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Like, come on. I don't, thank you. 
But if you say something against the mob, they're going to cancel you. It is a crazy world. Here's what encourages me, though. The world was that crazy or worse when Jesus entered in and started his church. I mean, you read the book of Acts. It was a crazy time. Anybody watch the Chosen series that came out? Like, we're just starting to get into that. And those were some really hard, oppressive times. High inflation, high tax rate, persecution, murder, sexual immorality, all on the rise. And God said, I'm going to start my church in that season and in that culture. So it encourages me that God says, I have a church. I've got a standard. I've got a standout group of people that are mine. And I think as the church, we need to come back to a place of like hardcore, full-on devotion to the Lord and like, let's get this right. So I asked the question last week, what if we had a fresh start with God? What if we could have a do-over? I mean, we, we've ended these last two years with a real heaviness, honestly. And last week I said, the way to get out of heaviness is to put on the garment of praise that we intentionally reach up to God with a life of praise and worship and we reach out to others, serve people. Man, if you wanna get out of the doldrums, start looking up to God and start serving somebody else. Your life is not that bad. And this world needs the church to come alive and have a like garment of praise kind of way of living. Can I hear an amen, everybody? Now look, I'm gonna give you some warnings today. Some of you have never been through church with Mike on a fast, but some of you have and you know what I'm about to say. I don't care what you think today. Like, I'm so hungry, I could eat your shoe. I don't even care. So I'm gonna say what I want, and I need you to amen me. I'm not mad, I'm hangry. You know what I'm saying? Like, I ain't mad, but it's gonna feel like I'm real intense. Hey, church, the world needs us, because we alone have the gospel, right? And so, so what if we have a fresh start with the Lord? What if we could have a do-over with God and just say, you know what? Man, I'm going to start this year and I'm going to go all in on the things of the Lord because God needs the church to shine bright in these evil days, right? So today I want to teach you a very super practical, like, lesson. It's going to feel like Dr. Mike, the professor's in today. So I need everybody to grab a phone or a notebook or some kind of way to take notes. I don't care if you take the giving envelope and the seat back in front of you. Everybody needs to take notes. I can see all of you. Please take notes. I'm just kidding. I'm just pointing out a random dude with a good beard. Everybody take notes. Listen, this is really good for you. I promise you, if you'll lean in on this message, it'll change your life. So I want to introduce you to a term that we use in Christian leadership called spiritual disciplines. Everybody say spiritual disciplines. Now, if you're not familiar with this terminology, it's, it's, it's a broad term that we use to describe the habits or practices that uh, routinely we employ as Christians in order to give a desired result of growth to God. Let me simplify that for you. Spiritual disciplines are the habits you participate in that will grow your relationship to Jesus. How many of you know anything you want growth in require disciplines? If you want to bench 315 this year and you want to lose all that body fat and you want to do, you know, you want to turn your physical body around, it's going to require discipline. You got to sleep better. You got to drink more water. You got to eat, you know, a ton of chicken and green beans and you got to go to the gym and get a workout partner and get on a routine. It just requires discipline. So anything that you want growth and success in requires disciplines. Well, how many of you say, I want to grow in my devotion to Jesus this year? Can anybody just show me your hands if you're in the room? Yep. Okay. Be honest. How many of you say, I want to grow in my devotion to Jesus this year? Now, how many of you would couple up that sentiment with, I'm not quite sure how to do it? This has been one of the tensions for me as a pastor my whole career. I always sit with people who want to grow in the things of God, but we're not quite sure how to grow in the things of God. And today I want to close those gaps. And, and, and I want to encourage you, if you would, just let me be your pastor and let me teach you something. And everybody say, I'll listen. That's a key. <laughs> You got to actually do what I'm about to tell you, okay? If you want to get good grades in school, you got to go to class, read your books, write the papers, and study, right? You can't just osmosis an A. If you want to be successful in your career, you got to do what's required. And if you want to grow in the things of God, because we're going to have a fresh start and the world needs us on fire for God, I'm going to give you some habits and some practices today. So, so think about it like this. If Jesus Christ himself stood on this stage, trust me, I'm not him. I just work for him. But if Jesus himself stood on the stage and said, I want to give you some surefire steps to grow in closeness to me, would you take him up on it? Okay, can the rest of you please pretend? <laughs> if Jesus Christ himself stood on this stage and said, I'm going to give you some surefire steps that will guarantee your closeness to me, would you take him up on it? Yes. Whew, I was about to start all over. <laughs> yes, you would, right? All of us would. 
Well, I believe the spiritual disciplines are God's gifts to the church to guarantee growth. Many of us are just trying to grow by just patience or figuring it out or doing whatever our grandma did. But I want to teach you a list of strategies and steps. And it's going to feel like a lecture today, but just stay with me. Our church needs this. This is super practical. And here's the why behind the what before I get into the list. Okay, I'm going to give you a list. Everybody needs to take notes on this. But here's the why behind the what. And I want you to hear how I say this. God deeply wants to be close to you. Like, he wants to be close to you so badly. Look at me. You mean more to him than anything. You mean more to him than every angel he's ever created. You mean more to him than heaven itself. I love one of the songs we sing here. There's a lyric that says, you didn't want heaven without us. I just, I get emotional thinking that he wants you more than he wants heaven. God wants you to be close to him. This is what I love about Christianity and the Bible's view of Christianity. Like many of us have this religious view of God that he's this grumpy old grandpa with a big giant beard and a lightning bolt and he's just waiting on you to be awful and hoping you get your stuff together. No, no, no. God has this attitude, not this attitude. God has, I want this for you. I know what you're doing. I know where your life is at. I don't care. I paid for all of that on the cross. I deeply desire intimacy with you. Here's a a verse Jesus' brother James taught. In James chapter four, he says, draw near to God and he will, not he might, he may get around to, if he feels like it. No, 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 he will draw near to you. So I've asked you the question, how many of you want to be closer to Jesus this year? I'll raise your hand. So he wants to be close to you. But who, let me, let me correct the grammar on this. There's a, it's not in your Bible, but this is the understood subject. You draw near. Your pastor can't draw near to God for you. Your spiritual spouse can't draw near to God for you. Your kids can't do it for you. You have to do this. And this is what we need a fresh start in. Hey, look at me, everybody. This isn't a must. It's a get to. You don't have to do this. You get to do it. See, religion says do these practices if you want to fit this religion really good. But Christianity is an invitation to know God and to be close to him. And we get to draw near to him. You don't have to come at God like this, like, oh, my gosh, I hope he's not mad at me. You get to come at him with, you can be covered in shame and sin and filth and bust the doors of heaven wide open. And he goes, I'm so glad you're here. God wants to be close to you. So I asked you, do you want to be close to God? And you said, So let me help you. Can I just be your pastor today and to be a nerd out doctor preacher? You draw near. You take the step. Now, in the context, James is saying, stay far away from sin. He says, resist the devil. Stay close to God and draw near to him. This is the action step. He's got the heart step. Stay close to God, far from sin, resist the devil. But the action is take a step. So I want to give you some steps. And these are not heavy. They're not a burden. These are pathways to your intimacy with Jesus, okay? The only way to God is through Jesus, but these are, these are disciplines or habits that will build your intimacy with Jesus. Healthy habits, okay. So let's celebrate these disciplines. Now, as a guide for this sermon, honestly, um, <clears throat> this is gonna feel like an unusual sermon because I normally like to preach a verse, verse by verse, and walk it through. So we'll get back to that in February. But for this, uh, I've used this book right here by Richard Foster called Celebration of Discipline. Every, look at me, every Christian needs to own a copy of this book. Every single one of you. If you own a Bible, great, you should own this too. It is gonna teach you way broader than what I'm gonna teach you in a 40-minute sermon. But every Christian needs this book. It is the GOAT for everyone 50 and under. You know what that means. Everyone with a flip phone and older means greatest of all time. This book is it. It's a classic book. It's one of the best books sold ever in the world. And it teaches you the why behind the what and the how to embrace spiritual disciplines. Spiritual disciplines are not tasks. They're opportunities to grow in devotion to Jesus. Are you hearing me? So we want to grow. So let me teach you these. Okay, there are 12 of them. So as you're taking notes, because you're all taking notes, because we're taking notes in the service, there will be a test. (laughs) The test is called 2022. And if you want to survive this test, I'm telling you how to grow close to Jesus this year. Please uncross your arms, get out a way to take notes and write this. I'm only, I already do this stuff. It's for you. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm hangry. Just, 
Don't you love the season of fasting? You never know what your pastor's gonna say. There's like video clips of me over the years of stupid things I've said during the fast. So you can buy them for a love gift of 1927. Okay, anyway. <clears throat> so there's three categories. There's 12 disciplines, but there's three categories. So let me teach them to you in categories, in big chunks. The first one are the inward disciplines. The idea of the inward disciplines is these are personal between you and God. No one can do them for you. It's directly expressed between you and God. No one can read your Bible for you. No one can pray for you. Nobody can do fasting for you. <laughs> Aren't you figuring that out, right? <clears throat> Starve the world, but let me have my Chick-fil-A, right? Nope, you got to do it. So these are personal expressed between you and God. The, I'm going to give you four of them. Write them down and number, uh, number them A through D. Ready? The first one is uh, sp- Christian meditation. Now, Immediately, some of us are alarmed by the word meditation. Let me just explain it to you. Christian meditation, historically in the history of the church, including Jesus, is simply the ability to silence the noise in order to focus on hearing God's voice and hearing his word. Meditation is an overall discipline for us. Eastern meditation, right, like with Buddhism, shamanism, Eastern religions, it's an attempt to empty the mind. And that's crazy. You'll never empty your mind. In fact, Christian meditation is an attempt to fill your mind with the word of God, the love of God, the heart of God, and the will of God. Christian meditation, look at it like this. It's like saying, I'm going to obsess over a passage. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dwell my thoughts on who God is and who Jesus is and a life in the spirit. In Colossians chapter 2, it says, set your mind on the things of heaven, not the things of this earth. Many of us are good at meditating on TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, and national news. We need to start meditating on the word of God. David says, I've hid the word of God in my heart that I may not sin against you, right? So we're going to start contemplating and thinking about and dwelling on and ruminating. Take a verse and just chew on it all day. Don't read your Bible as a checklist on an app, but like meditate on the word, meditate on the person of Jesus, meditate on life in the Holy Spirit. Meditation as a Christian is about filling your mind with God. The second discipline is prayer. Many of us think we have a good prayer life. Many of us feel somewhat confident in prayer. Most Christians hate praying in front of others. We're going to grow in that this year. In fact, uh, if you're seated in row three, seat seven, I need you to stand up right now and pray in front of everybody. I'm just kidding. We don't even have our seats numbered like that. But we want to grow in prayer. Prayer, listen, prayer has been, we've thought of prayer as I'm just going to drop off my list to God of things I need him to do in Jesus' name. And uh, God, if you can get that done before I come back tomorrow, that'd be great because I got another list. No, prayer is about you aligning yourself to the will of God. Prayer is actually about communication with God. I want you to think of prayer like a DM conversation with the Lord. It's a chat conversation that you're just having. It could be agenda driven or it could just be, Lord, I'm so thankful to be in your presence. God, I'm so glad that you're here with me today. Lord, you know I'm stressed out about my job today, but I know you know my job situations and God, I just thank you that I can tell you about it. Prayer is about talking to God. And it has a lot more to do with you aligning to his will than him aligning to your will. Many of us, now listen, prayer should be about petitioning God. Let him know my my aunt's got COVID, my uncle's got cancer, my boss is a jerk. Let him know those things. And then here's the caveat. And Lord, not my will, but your will be done. Jesus modeled this in prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Man, start prayer and worship. Before you ask God anything, tell him how good he is. We're going to teach you this in the Pray First Guide, by the way, how to pray. There's like eight different models of prayer. But we're going to teach you how to just worship God first. And then we're going to submit our request to God. But it sounds like this. Lord, your kingdom come. Your will be done, not mine. God, I'm praying for a promotion. I'm believing God for a promotion. Nope, I'm believing you for your will to be done regarding my promotion. And if I never get it, I submit to your will. Prayer is about surrender and submission to the will of God and getting in line with his will. The third discipline, i got to go fast because i got a lot is fasting. Now, how many of you love fasting right now in January? I hate fasting in November, especially at Christmas time. I literally thought about starting my fast around Christmas. And then I was like, that's stupid. Because <laughs> I love peanut butter, chocolate, gravy, and turkey. But fasting is about, um, it's about saying no to things that your flesh enjoys, particularly and historically, fasting is always about your mouth. So some people say, well, I'm gonna fast Facebook, or I'm gonna fast Instagram or social media. That's abstaining, and you should do that too. But fasting is about close your mouth, whether it's food, drink, alcohol, meals, whatever it is that has a grip on you. And here's the deal. Every one of us are gripped by food. 
And what fasting does is it breaks us through the bondage of something that has ownership, even though it's something good for us, like food is good for us, right? But it still has control and it shows us what things have control of us and it proves to us that it's actually God who sustains us. Every year people ask me about how I do a total food fast. And you know, I'll have a little broth or crackers or maybe a piece of bread at night, but in general, I don't eat anything for 21 days. And I'm on day nine of that. And I'm preaching my guts out up here and you're aiming in your guts out to me. But the way I'm able to do that is because there's an anointing on my life that God enables me to break through that need for sustenance because God is my source and God is my provision. Fasting opens my prayer life. It focuses me when I deny my mouth for an extended period of time and consecrate my energy on prayer, scriptural study, spiritual readings. Man, it opens me up and I'm reminded like I can trust God for this stuff. Fasting is a discipline. And fourth one, that you, only you can do this is study your Bible. You, hey, I can't read the Bible for you. I know you'd like that maybe if somebody else would do all the study for you, but you got to grow. If you want to know, I'm going to get on a soapbox here. Romans 12, 2, Paul says, don't conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do you think your mind is going to be renewed? It's the discipline of studying God's word that allows our minds to be transformed. Studying God's word is the primary vehicle that allows our minds to be transformed by God to his heart, to his desires, and to his will. Listen, if you want to know God in his heart and will better, study his word. Some people are like, well, I'm trying to hear from God. I'm, trying, I'm praying and asking the Lord so that I can hear from God. And I feel like God's going, I've been speaking through this for a long time. If you would just read this, I'll speak to you. Quit demanding God to call you and start demanding you to call him. Like get in the word. Anybody that says I've heard from God that doesn't read the Bible faithfully, I don't trust it. That's the truth. I don't trust it. You know why? Because the devil will lie to you. Your flesh will certainly lie to you. And culture will lie to you. God's word is true. These words ain't changing. And until God comes down from heaven and rewrites this thing, we don't have a choice but to believe it and trust it and do what he says. Oh, get me preaching up here. If you want to know God's heart, will, and mind better, study his word. Many Christians are in bondage to fear and anxiety because they don't spend time allowing God's word to transform their minds. Many of us, and I'm going to say it to Christians, especially you conservative, evangelical, you know, political Christians, but there's also liberal Christians and people on every political spectrum. If the news is the only thing that you're listening to, don't be surprised when your faith diminishes and you don't see where God's at. If all you listen to is the culture and Fox News, Tucker Carlson, CNN, and Rachel Maddow, if that's all you listen to, don't be surprised that your faith is small and your confidence in God is low because you're not spending time in God's word. Has anybody else noticed that the word of the culture shifts all the time? I mean, every month the culture of the news is shifting. But this does not. This is steady. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Okay. Y'all doing good? All you really churchy folks are like, finally, he said it. All you like, some guests are like, this guy is not playing. <laughs> My greatest joy for you would be that you grow in these disciplines. I get nothing out of you getting closer to Jesus except us getting closer to Jesus together. This doesn't serve me. I read my Bible. I pray. I fast. Obviously, today I'm a master at fasting. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to take this list because you're taking notes, and I want you to rank each of these one, two, three, or four. One is your best, like your easiest, your, your most natural discipline. You're the best at. This helps you in your pathway to God. I'll tell you, my wife loves prayer, loves to pray. So she's a natural, like it's easy for her, it comes easy to her. I'm not strong in that first. I'm a Bible reader. I don't know if you knew that about me, I like the word. So my strongest of these four is probably the Bible, collectively over a year. In January, my strongest is fasting. Come on, you know what I'm saying? All of us are in that kind of mode. Here's what, I want you to grade yourself. One's your strongest, four is your weakest. Because we're gonna do something with that list in just a moment. Okay, y'all get anything so far? So, so these inward disciplines, you practice them privately. We focus on seeing and setting our minds on Christ through meditation. We petition God through prayer and submit to his will. We consecrate ourselves through fasting and we learn his heart through study. Now, the outward disciplines, there's four of them as well. These are also personal, only you can do these, but they're expressed outwardly. Like others are gonna see this. And this, these are decisions of how you live the Christian life and have disciplines as a follower of Jesus. There's four of them. The first one is simplicity. 
A life of simplicity is actually a life to be admired. The discipline of, of simplicity, it's an inward reality that results in outward lifestyle. It's a reality that life is more than possessions, endless activity, being notarized, having more fame or fortune or complexity. Simplicity helps me seek one thing, Jesus, in his way. Listen, I remember as a youngster, can I use youngster now to talk about my old self? I'm in my 40s, y'all. I remember in my younger days, 20s and early 30s, probably I thought I want, I want money stuff, I want bigger house, more cars, I want like fame, I wanna be known. But in my 40s, I realized all of that is fleeting and empty. And I am actually embracing more simplicity than ever. Here's what simplicity looks like. Simplicity is not about not having stuff. I don't care if you got millions of dollars. I think the body of Christ should have all the money in the world. Well, you know what I'm saying. It's about those things having you. It's about your social media presence being the only thing that you're known for versus your substantive, simple life with God. It's about all your collections of things being so valuable that, oh man, we can't touch any of that stuff but versus those things are just things that can go at any moment. Here's how you test whether you have simplicity in your life or not. Could you lose it all or could you give it all away? If you lost all your money, all your health, your whole family, and you still had Jesus, you actually have everything you need. But simplicity has to teach us that, a lifestyle of simplicity. It's a lifestyle of saying no to things that maybe we love or it's a lifestyle of saying, it's a discipline and a habit of saying, uh, yes to generosity and yes to giving things away and yes to thankfulness as an, uh, as an attitude of simplicity. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? About every year to 18 months, I go to a monastery for a few days for a personal retreat. It's silent, solitude, prayer retreat. And it's all Catholic monks or all Trappist monks. And they take a vow of you know, celibacy, silence, and uh, solitude. And they also take a vow of work and simplicity. <clears throat> and one of the things I realize every time I go there, you know, I bring like book, computers, I bring books and, and stuff from work. I bring my f- smartphone with all these apps and tech and gadgets and everything. And I bring a calendar and schedule and expectations and plans. And then I watch these monks and they have nothing. And you know what's interesting about having nothing is you, you have nothing that controls you either. Isn't it interesting, as busy as our lives have gotten, all of you have full closets, all of you got, you know, stuff that you've been acquiring and Christmas is a great time to remember this. What happens with more is the burden of keeping more. I got to put security systems on it. I got to alarm it. I got to store it right and and save it for the future generations. Your kids don't want your stuff, by the way. I'm just telling you. Every every senior saint that thinks your kids are going to go through your house crying over your salt and pepper shakers, they ain't. We buy houses. One of the keys to buying a bigger house is what? We need enough room for storage to store the stuff that owns us. You pay for more square footage for things you don't even use. So simplicity as a discipline. My wife is going through kind of a purge of our house right now. She's like, I gotta, we wanna donate and gift and give things away. And I'm like, stay on your side of the closet. I ain't, God's working on me. I'm a four. (laughs) We're in a process of growing y'all. My wife's gonna have three outfits you see every Sunday. You know, like it's the first of the month she got on that dress, you know, anyway. I'm kidding, but simplicity as a spiritual discipline. And here's what simplicity reminds us of. My dependence is on the Lord. Fasting will teach you simplicity. Okay, I gotta move forward. Solitude. We are in such a noisy world. We don't know how to be alone. And even when we are alone, we have our phone. Go to the bathroom without your phone this week. I dare you. (laughs) Be alone with your thoughts and your business. Just be alone, solitude. But spiritual solitude teaches me to be alone, to be still, to be quiet, And to listen, Jesus didn't just pray, he prayed alone. He got alone with God. Solitude's important so you can hear and see the Lord more clearly. Solitude helps me turn off the noise and distractions around me. Part of solitude is saying no to a noisy world so that I can be still and alone with God. Some of us, we've never done this, so we think, what in the world does that have to do with God? I feel like this is a draw near to God. And he goes, for some of you, you'll get alone in solitude this week, and the first time ever you'll hear the Lord go, Thanks for this time. We meditate, we're silent, we're solitude. Listen to this, submission. Man, this is everybody's favorite. Submission's hard. We live in a world that my way, my rights, but submission to God looks like God, your way, whatever you want. And I I wanna challenge every one of us as the body of Christ. We need to grow in submission to God. 
submission to his will, submission to his word. If you're living a life outside of the will of God right now, you're not living in submission. If you're shacking up with your boyfriend or girlfriend right now and just saying, well, you know, God knows my heart. No, 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 you're unsubmitted. If you refuse to tithe as God's directed you, it's a submission problem. If you refuse to serve other people, listen, I am mad at you. We got to grow in submission. And submission is one of the hardest things. It's actually the major human condition of every one of us. We, it's the original sin of the Garden of Eden. God said, do this, and we said, I want to do it my way. And so submission will always be a discipline to, to, to work on for the rest of your life. But here's what Jesus taught us how to pray. Not my will, but yours be done. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And so submission is a trust that Jesus is Lord and he knows what he's doing and I don't have to be. Submission is not weakness, but it's learning how to love and listen to God and learn how to listen to those in authority over you. Listen, we gotta learn to submit to our, our parents. As kids, we need to learn to submit to our spouse. The Bible says as husbands and wives submit to one another, we should submit to our bosses. We should submit to governing authorities. We should submit, never submit into sin, but we should learn the rule of submission. Why? Because submitting to them helps me submit to God. So the fourth is service, serving people. Man, we love to clap about doing outreach and serving, but how about we get off our clapper and go serve somebody? The reality is we have a church of multiple thousands. And when the tornadoes hit, a couple hundred went and served. I'm sorry, I'm hungry. I'm just being honest with you guys. As a church, we want to grow in this area of service. The way of Jesus is the way of serving. Je serving is loving and being present in the needs of others in their needs. I learn how to walk like Jesus by learning how to serve like Jesus. He said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve others. As a leader, my job is to serve. That's my job is to serve you and to serve this community and to serve our city. We become like Jesus when we serve. If you want to break the bondage of greed and selfishness in your life, learn to serve. Okay, so these are outward disciplines. And the idea of these, again, is that these are, these are, we do them personally, but they're external. They help us grow closer to Christ. I'm giving you pathways to grow in your devotion to Christ. As you draw near in these devotions, he'll draw near to you. So here's what we see. We, we learn contentment with the Lord through simplicity. We enjoy the company of the Lord in solitude. We follow God better through submission, and we share the Lord and his gifts through service. So evaluate your life and grade yourself, one through four. One is your strongest, four is your weakest, right? And all of us have a four on here. It's no big deal. And just be honest and evaluate yourself. And we'll talk about what to do with that in just a second. The final group is the corporate disciplines. Now, you still have to do these, but we get to do them in community with other Christians. How many of you know the church is a body? We are meant to do Christianity with other Christians. If you've rejected the church because you don't like some of the Christians, that's a problem. It's unbiblical. It's actually idolatry because you've judged the church as to whether or not you're willing to serve it. So we're going to stop rejecting the church. We're going to be in the church. We're going to belong to the body. We're going to do corporate things. And there are disciplines that we have. Listen, if you're frustrated with the church because of bad actors, or you go, the church is full of hypocrites. We're not full yet. We got more room. So come on. So here's one of the first disciplines that we do corporately. It's confession. Confessing our faults one to another, right? If we confess our sins to the Lord, but we also confess to one another. This is why we need small groups. This is why we do accountability. We, we're on dream teams. We confess to one another. Listen, in the art of confession, the discipline of confession can be very difficult because we don't want people to see us as failures or weak or shortcomings. But through confessing our weaknesses, we actually realize how much we all need God's grace. Some of us are so good at confessing our strengths. We only confess the highlight reels of our lives. But I'm telling you, part of the corporate discipline of Christianity is we confess to one another. James 5, 16 says, confess your sins one to another so that you may be healed. If you want to be set free from some of the stuff you're walking through, you need to tell somebody. You don't need to tell everybody. You need to tell somebody. How many of you know there, you, you need a one or two kind of people group in your life that you can tell them everything? You don't need to tell them. We're not going to have like confession Sunday, the fifth Sunday of the month. Everybody come up here and tell the whole church your business. But we do have small groups every week. And out of that small group, that's not even a confession time. Out of that small group, you should find one or two people where you can just be accountable to one another and confess to one another. Confession is a corporate uh, discipline. Worship, we all need to grow as a church in worship. I'm talking like sing the roof off of this place. Can you believe that we get to join all of the host of the angels in heaven crying out, holy, holy, holy is our God. In fact, the Lord silences the angels when you begin to sing. He would rather hear you than hear them. And you may be tone deaf or attitude. It don't matter. God loves your worship. January 21st, the last day of our 21 days of fasting and prayer, we're going to end our time with a night 
of worship and I wanna fill this room and focus our attention on the Lord and call out to him. We've gotten so nitpicky about the style of worship and what kind of songs, these songs aren't for you. If you don't like the songs, so what? They're not for you, we're not singing to you. We're not singing about you. You don't like a guitar lick and skinny pants? I don't think any grown man should wear skinny pants. I'm with you on that, but who cares what songs we're singing? You want hymns or rock songs? Who cares? None of the songs are for you. God is for us and he's the one we're singing to. I can sing to God with a country twang or I can sing to the Lord with a, a, a Latin chorus. It doesn't matter. Our worship is on him. Amen. These songs aren't even for you. The corporate discipline of guidance. Through the spiritual discipline of guidance, God guides us corporately. And guess how God gives us guidance? Through the spiritual gift and the grace that God gives the church of a pastor. I'm going to say it again, and you can freely be like, yeah, praise God. Okay. The Lord gives us guidance through spiritual leaders like a pastor, like a small group leader, like a spiritual mentor, a spiritual mother or father. I get to help guide you as your pastor. It's my calling and assignment to this church. And you got to learn to trust God has given you a pastor. Man, we live in a world of such scrutiny. A pastor can't say anything without it being picked apart and getting 17 emails by all the reformed people. Quit emailing me and just listen and trust that God has given you a pastor and a small group leader and a spiritual father and mother. I don't have a problem with reformed people. You guys are just really angry on email. Let's talk about over steak. All you charismatics want to do is send me handwritten notes with feathers on them. Stop it. Listen. I can pick on everybody. Baptists, who you want me to go after? Catholics, the Lutherans, who you want me to go after? I'm just kidding. God's get, hey, listen, I have a pastor. I love my pastor. I listen to my, you know what? I submit to my pastor. If my pastor calls me with correction, I don't debate him. I don't argue him and I don't go look for another pastor. I trust that God is guiding me through a spiritual leader called a pastor. I think it's God's will that every person on the planet has a pastor. And I may not be your pastor, that's fine. I'm just saying, you need one. You need a small group leader, you need spiritual mothers and fathers, you need a mentor. Every one of us needs guidance. And by the way, you will become a spiritual guide for someone else. Okay, fourth one. I'm having a lot of fun. Are you guys okay? Who's offended? Get your emails ready. Okay, fourth one is celebration. If you don't know this about LifePoint, we love joy, we love to celebrate, we love to laugh, we love to have a good time. Nehemiah 8 says, the joy of the Lord is our strength. The Bible also says, joy comes in the morning. If you're having a bad day, tomorrow's coming. You need to wake up and say, praise God. My wife and I got in a fight, praise God I got a wife. My kids are acting a fool, praise God I got kids that act a fool. My tire's flat this morning, praise God I got a car with a tire on it. I got three more, I'm gonna get to work slow, but I'm coming, praise God. We need to have joy in our life. Quit complaining about everything and have celebration as a church. Can we just praise God for 30 seconds? Come on, right now. Let's just celebrate. God, you're so good. We love you, Lord. Thank you, God, for choosing us. We get to do this. Hallelujah. Okay. <laughs> okay. So evaluate these four corporate disciplines in your life. Some of them are really fun for you. All of you like celebrating, right? But which grade yourself? One through four. One is your strongest. Four is your weakest. Now listen to what we say, we stay honest and humble in confession. We keep our hearts focused on God through worship. We grow in guidance. We grow in our devotion to God through the discipline of guidance and we keep a joyful and positive heart with celebration. Here's what I want us to do. I want us to make spiritual habits normal and super practical. Many of us struggle with spiritual disciplines because we think they're for the spiritual people. No, no, no. If you're a Christian, the spirits in you, they're for you. Spiritual disciplines are not just for pastors and theologians. They're for bookkeepers and stay-at-home parents and single moms and single grandmas. And they're for doctors and lawyers and anyone that says yes to Jesus, the spiritual disciplines are a gift to you to draw near to God. These are for you. So how do we make them super practical and easy? Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 2 this famous verse, he says, write the vision, make it plain on tablets so the person who sees it can run with it. Some of us have made spiritual disciplines so out, like, out of this world, super hokey and spiritual. Like you can't pray unless God just opens up the roof of your house and brings angels and a whole choir together and you didn't have a good prayer life. No, 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 just pray. Make them practical. Make it super normal. It's like if you want to get really good at the gym, you know what's really practical? Don't eat fried food. That's super practical. Ain't nothing real jimmy about that. Jimmy, 
G-Y-M dash Y. So here's some five keys, make it super practical. Here we go. Number one, start where you're at. Just be honest where you are. I gave you a grading scale, one to four, on three groups of four disciplines. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to keep doing where you're a one in all three categories. And for the next quarter, ready? I want you to see where you're a four in those three areas and just focus on that. That's it. Three areas. You might be really good at at reading your Bible, not really good at prayer. So what you do is add to your Bible reading three more minutes to pray. Grab the pray first guide. Come to a prayer service on Tuesdays. Do, just increase the one. Don't try to do all 12 disciplines. Just start where you're at and let's turn it up a notch in one area in each category. Inward, outward, corporate. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You know one of the easiest ways all of you can turn it up corporately? Get on a dream team and serve. One of the easiest ways you can all do it corporately? Sing your guts out during worship next week. You're out of tune? I don't care. Sing like crazy. Worship. Just to get, You know what? This is the year I'm going to worship. Start where you're at. Be honest about where you're at and don't feel judged about where you're not. It's like trying to be a sprinter when you don't even know how to walk. Second, get on a plan and write it down. Right now I gave you notes for this message and every one of you have 12 categories of invitation to intimacy with God. So what I want you to do is now be grown-ups and write a plan. Just make a plan and write it down. And don't be really laudy and really huge and mad. Don't post it on Instagram. I'm going to do 82 disciplines this year. Forget 12. I'm going to yard. I'm going for it. No, no, no. Write it down in your journal. Put it on your, your mirror and lipstick. Just say, I'm going to pray today. That's my plan. What time? I don't know. What you going to pray about? Not sure yet. I'm just going to pray. I'm going to read my Bible this year. I'm going to fast the rest of this 21 days. Here's my plan. I'm going to go to church 50 Sundays this year. I'm going to get on a dream team this year. I'm going to serve twice a month. I'm going to get in a small group for kids, and I'm going to teach them little knuckleheads how to honor their parents and how to respect somebody because I'm going to be the one, instead of shaking my head at how disrespectful them kids are, I'm going to go serve them and invest in them because kids are the future, and we love children in the next generation. Get on a plan and write it down. Third, tell somebody your plan. You know, accountability like a battle buddy or a workout buddy makes all the difference. Anybody join a gym and not tell anyone? (laughs) No, every one of you join a gym, you post it on social media. You're like, who's my workout buddy? Get your spandex, girl, come on. Battle buddies help you succeed. Tell somebody, tell your small group. This is a great conversation for small group as we launch this week. Where are you strong? Where are you weak? What can we do to get better? Here we go. Number four, keep showing up. Can I just say a statement? It's gonna sound a little braggy. I've never, ever not gone to church since I've been a Christian. And it's not because I started as a pastor. When I gave my life to Jesus, I told the Lord, I'm all in, I'm all yours. I've never taken a break from church. I've never skipped out, never. Many a times our greatest struggle is just show back up tomorrow. Just show up again. You didn't have your prayer time today? No problem. Tomorrow's coming. Just show back up. I didn't get my tithe turned in this month. God ain't trying to beat up on you. Are you kidding? Just show back up. Keep showing up to these disciplines. Whatever you're going to focus on in these next 12 12 weeks in this quarter of the year, just keep doing it. Will Smith just came out with a book, his autobiography. And he tells this story in the beginning of the book, the introduction about him and his brother. His dad told him, uh, his dad owned a business in West Philadelphia. And he said, I want you to build a wall, a brick wall in front of our business. And Will's like, I never built a wall, daddy. Daddy-o is what he called him. And he said, I didn't ask you if you'd done one before. I'm telling you to go build a brick wall. And like his whole summer was building this wall. And Will Smith was so mad. He was complaining every single day. He hated it. And he's griping the whole time he's building the wall with his brother. And one day his dad heard him complaining and his dad walked out to Will and he grabbed a brick and he held it in front of him. He said, Will, stop thinking about the wall. Just think about this brick. And when you lay that brick, pick up the next brick. Because when we think about the wall, it feels impossible. But when I think about the brick, I can do a brick. And that's how you got to treat your spiritual disciplines. Instead of trying to become Mother Teresa, just say, I'm going to pray this week. I'm going to fast this month. I'm gonna go to church and sing out loud. Oh my gosh, I'm gonna do it. Well, next week comes and I got the COVID. Oh, I didn't, I missed church. I blew my whole plans for 52 weeks. No, next Sunday's coming. Just show back up. 
just keep showing up. That is like, if I could bottle up anything, if you wanna be successful in anything in the world, keep showing up. Don't quit. And finally, this you can't control, but you can expect. We're gonna grow in Jesus. We're gonna grow closer. Draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. I'm gonna fast this week, he's gonna meet me here. I'm gonna go to church and sing out loud, he's gonna meet me here. And here's what happens. After a week and five days and 10 weeks and 52 weeks, all of a sudden, I'm 52 weeks closer in my devotion to the things of God. I'm still not where I wanna be, but I'm not where I used to be. I'm just closer than I was last year. And can I tell you something, between now and your death, that's the journey of the Christian life. It's practical, it's show up every day and watch God draw near to you. Can I hear an amen from somebody today? So God, we submit these disciplines to you. We submit these lists to you today. And Lord, we submit ourselves to you. We're gonna seek you, Lord, more than just read your Bible, pray and go to church. We're gonna look at this list of 12. And God, we are gonna commit that we're gonna step forward in these disciplines. It's an invitation from you, Lord God. So we take your invitation. We receive it. We're excited to step into intimacy with you, Lord God. And God, I thank you that these aren't burdensome. They're not heavy and it's not religion. It's intimacy, intimacy with God. So Lord, we receive your word. We receive this teaching. We receive this message and we're in. Could everybody pray this with me? Come on, open your hands to the Lord, wherever you're watching or sitting. Just pray this with me. Say, God, I'm all in. Say, I believe in Jesus, that he died for my sin. So I will live my life completely for him. Lord, where I'm weak, build my strength. Say, where I'm strong, keep me going, Lord, in Jesus' name. Now say, I confess my sin. I need you, Lord. Help me to live this out with you in Jesus' name. Now, God, I pray over this church as their pastor. I pray that you would birth a desire birth a desire to turn it up a notch for a fresh start in Jesus' name. Birth it in us, Lord God. Fan the flame of desire in us, Lord Jesus. And Lord, I pray that the next three months will be the most significant months of growth in the Lord that we've ever had in Jesus' name. Lord, we're gonna come to the night of worship. We're gonna learn to serve. We're gonna fast. We're gonna give. We're gonna do the things, God, that draw us close to you, not because we have to, but because we get to because Lord, it will get us to you more closely. In Jesus' name, we love you, Lord. We believe it in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen.